0: Welcome to the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, Morgan Colby and Rick Lemon. What's going on, Fantasy Champs? How are we doing? My name is Morgan Colby. I got Rick Lemon with me as always. It's Poppin' Ricardo. What's up? What's up? Oh, I was talking to Rick before the show and I realized I said something, um, legit on Thursday. What did you say? There's just two weeks left. I just realized this in my head when I was talking to you. There's just two two weeks left until real, meaningful NFL football. Was it Chiefs? and No, bro. Good try. Why did I say Chiefs? In my head, they won the Super Bowl. Who won the Super Bowl? The Rams. The Rams and who? Yep. The Bills. Oh, yeah, dude. That's a great yeah, game. Bills. I'm not going to so have why anyone we, from either team.
1: This is a slight complaint before we really get going here, just from me to you. Yeah. Uh, I got some Snapchat memories of us drafting our drafts from like two years ago and three years ago, uh-huh. like five days ago. So we used to draft like August 20th, and now we draft in September, and it kind of, uh, kind of annoys me a little bit.
0: That's okay. I love it. I
1: think it's more fun. Oh, But now, like the ADPs, like I was going to get Alvin Kamara in the second round. That was going to happen. Now it's not happening. Now he's going to go in the first. Sean's taking him in the first round now.
0: 100%. And I'm not taking him at nine. I was going to say uh, I like it because a uh, injuries don't really, which, by the way, no, nah, I'm not going to say that. I don't want to jinx anything, so I won't say it. But um, drafting in September, we're literally going to draft September 5th. And then the first football game is three days later. Yep. That's great. I don't have to wait two weeks and sit there and twiddle my thumbs and hope football comes. I'll do my draft and then things will happen. Just wait until it's September... um, What is it? The first Thursday night football game. We do it then right before the game starts. Right. But uh, anyway, so today... Uh, The the season is fast approaching, but today we're going to talk about, uh, last week at one point we talked about our top, well, I guess it was my top three riskiest running backs because Rick was not here. Um, But we're going to talk about our top three riskiest wide receivers for the 2022 fantasy football season. Um, Before we jump into that, check out our website, fantasychampions.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any other podcast platforms, please leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, click the bell for notifications, like, and comment down below your top three riskiest wide receivers for 2022. And let us know if you agree with the guys that we have on this list. Um so, without further ado, let's jump right in. We're going to try to keep these episodes short and concise for you because, man, some of them... I, I talked by myself for 30 minutes, Rick. I don't know how you do it. No, I don't. I honestly don't know how I do it. It was like I was talking to you. But you were the camera. Right. <laughs> but anyway. um, So, yeah, we're going to try to keep this short and concise. um get you the content that you want rather quickly. But anyway, um, let's start off with the first riskiest wide receiver for fantasy football in 2022. And that is Michael Thomas. Uh, Rick was a little bit more hesitant on this because this is a player. I think he wants to buy. Mm -hmm. Late uh, in the middle, in the middle of the draft in the the home league, in the home league. I would, I would draft him. Have you been mocking him in the home league? occasionally. Okay, all right. All right. So, um I discussed this on the last show with Michael Thomas. I'm um, not Michael mm-hmm. Thomas with uh with the riskiest wide receivers. Um obviously uh, these players like we're not counting them as busts. There there are players that we aren't drafting. Um and there's a show for that. We're going to release it I think the week of the NFL season starting. Um but the riskiest players are just guys that they're kind of like bust, but they're guys that carry a lot of risk. And there are some guys that Rick likes to take the big risk on. So I'll let him defend his, his risks. But uh, Rick, why is Michael Thomas a risky wide receiver? Um, I
1: think the big thing with Michael Thomas is injuries and the fact that he hasn't really been the same player mm-hmm. in a couple of years. Um, yeah, he was great. His last great season, he was the wide receiver one in all mm. of fantasy in 2019. Um, then 2020 happened, and he was disappointing already. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't bad, but he just didn't have any touchdowns, so his he wasn't, like, great. I don't think he was a wide receiver one, if I remember correctly. He was yeah a wide receiver two before he got injured, and he didn't play at all last season. And there was reports of him saying that he was ready to go, and then oh, he has a setback, he has another setback, he has another setback. Mm -hmm. And all year, it was like, when does Michael Thomas come back? And he never played a single game. Um, So obviously, there's worrisome this year because we don't know if he's actually going to play. Everybody's saying he's healthy, he's ready to go. There was reports in training camp that he looked like the old Michael Thomas. I think the head coach, Dennis Allen, actually said that. like, He hasn't missed a beat or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And the hype train was back on. And then he has another hamstring injury in practice, and um, I don't, I don't think it's serious. Mm-hmm. It's just a minor like hamstring injury, but you know it's Michael Thomas, so who knows? <laughs> no. And you know it feels like this year, if you draft Michael Thomas, he's just like a hamstring um, or a, a minor foot injury away from just being shut down again and being done. Yeah. Um. So yeah. there's definitely risk factor, but ev- every guy on this list, I think. I would draft Michael Thomas because of his ceiling um, and the player that I know that he's capable of being. And if he yeah. does end up playing and he's healthy throughout all 17 games, mm-hmm. I think that he's going to have a really good year. Um, so I I, I would still probably draft Michael Thomas at his ADP on sleeper, which is what, sixth round. So I, I would still take take him in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he starts moving up boards i I'm definitely a little bit iffy about it um, and there's without a doubt risk to the pick,
0: yeah, yeah, I obviously agree because it's our list, and you're the one that made it <laughs> kind of we work sort together, of. yeah 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 anyway um but no i i I do think that there's there's significant concern. For me, not just from the injury perspective, but the fact that he hasn't played football in two years. The last time he played football, Drew Brees was throwing him the ball. Right. And that's the last time we saw Michael Thomas. And I have the same concerns about a player like Deshaun Watson coming back after missing a total. He missed 17 games last year and then he missed 11. He's going to miss 11 this year. And Uh that's 28 games that he has not played an NFL game almost Um, two seasons, almost two full seasons. Yeah. So like Michael Thomas is kind of in that same boat where he hasn't played for two full season, uh, two full seasons. And he is currently at the age of 29 years old. So Mm. this is, you know, I I mean, it's not the end was Cooper cups, 29, right? I'm just going to check that really quick. Yeah. Like you can, you can have at age 28 or 29 of your career, uh, a really good fantasy. Adams is
1: team. 29. Adams. Yeah.
0: So it's like you can still have some really, really large amounts of success. But when you start stacking injuries year over year, that's when things start becoming problems. Uh, 2020, he had the high ankle sprain. He missed seven games because of it. Um, and then he got to week seven and then he had a hamstring injury that caused him to miss two games. Um, and I believe that was the injury that held him out for the rest of the season in 2020. Um, I can't remember because he didn't play for a large that portion. That was a foot injury. Yeah. But I don't know. either way, he missed the rest of the 2020 season, and then he had an ankle uh, rehabilitation in preseason of 2021 <laughs> and then another ankle surgery to go along with that Um, in the preseason of this year, and now he's dealing with a hamstring injury. And it's like – where there's smoke, there's fire. And one thing I've been trying to do as a as a fantasy analyst and as a fantasy football player is look at injury risk and be like, okay, we're you know it's not worth investment um, in a guy that is constantly getting hurt. You know what I mean? So if there if there especially with the hamstring injuries, if there's a hamstring injury before the season starts, it's likely to spring up again during the regular season. Um uh, it might just be one or two games which is fine. I you know I'm not going to Mike Evans him. is a classic example yeah, of that. Mike Evans <laughs> always misses two games. So
1: with a hamstring.
0: Um so Michael Thomas could be fine, but there are so many circulating changes with you know not just the injury stuff but the fact that you know Sean Payton's not there anymore, Drew Brees is not there anymore. You have a new head coach He's not installing a new offensive system, which is good. But uh, you do have a new head coach. You have Jameis Winston, who's going to most likely play the whole season. Hopefully he stays healthy. And there's some good things to look forward to. Rick's a little higher on the Saints than I am. But I think there's some good things that the Saints have for them. Um, And so if their offense ends up being good and things work out and Michael Thomas is good, then it's, it's not a bad pick. But I think the range of outcomes for Michael Thomas are complete flailing problem and yeah. not even a top 24 wide receiver and maybe a guy that finishes in the top 12 and the, the 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 range of outcomes is so wide for him that makes him risky that he could just completely collapse this year and you could get burned and when you're talking about a fifth round pick you know I I like guys like Alan Robinson better than him I like guys like um, I'm trying to scroll and see ADP properly, but I like guys like Allen Robinson better than him. I like mm. Marquise Brown better than him. I like Juju Smith-Schuster better than him. I like Darnell Mooney, Rashad Bateman. Mm. Uh, I think the list will stop at that point, but um, <laughs> so, I started scrolling down further, and I was like, oh, these guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's still but, a full round, though. I but, think but, after, yeah, um, it's like a full round or two, and to me it's like I'm not worth – To me, it's not worth that ADP risk to take Michael Thomas. And I know a lot of people, maybe watching this video, preparing for your drafts, are looking at this going, okay, well, Michael Thomas was a top 10, you know, three years ago, I think it was. He was the number one wide receiver in fantasy football. He can do that again. And I'm like, maybe. He also had Drew Brees and Sean Payton in an established system. Um, So... I just think there's a lot of risk to be had with Michael Thomas. It's not necessarily a horrible draft selection. You're not wasting a second-round pick on him. Right. So there's that. But, yeah, Michael Thomas, riskiest wide receiver. Anything else you want to say about him?
1: No, no. I think that those are all fair points. I I would still reiterate, though, that I would draft him.
0: Okay. Rick likes Michael Thomas. I want a whole tweet thread or a TikTok about him. I don't know how I'll go that far he's like i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stand <laughs> um but anyway number two is d k Metcalf uh and this one is is i think it's pretty obvious yeah um i i think it i there was an interesting question I heard the other day which was um so a lot of people have the equivalent comparison when it comes to this player but dk metcalf or aj brown like they're similar players yeah um so they always have that same um they always have that same kind of projection uh or not projection but uh what i'm I'm like my computer just glitched out and it distracted me um they have the same play style so people look at them and they're like oh yeah these two players are the same so would you rather draft A.J. Brown in the in the second, maybe early third round, okay, maybe third to mid-third round, take him with the excitement and the energy and then have him underperform his ADP, or take D.K. Metcalf and have him overperform his ADP with that being in his range of outcomes?
1: I'm a little confused on what you're asking me here, but I'm going to say I would rather take AJ Brown because I trust him more and I trust the offense more than Seattle. Um,
0: It's more or less a, it's more or less a ceiling or floor argument. Like there's a really good chance that AJ Brown is really good and he's fine, which I believe. Um, But then there's a good chance that he completely um, crumbles like he did last year and ends up a wide receiver. 26. Uh, and yeah. and then you have DK Metcalf who people are just way, way down on. And he could he could be like, Oh, you know what? I'm gonna outperform that and end up top twenty. And then all of a sudden, Metcalf in the fifth looks way better than AJ Brown in the third or second. Yeah. So I mean
1: Metcalf is what pick I think he's like fourth or fifth right now yeah, on he's, sleeper. He, he's early. He's first. late fourth. Yeah, late um, fourth, early fifth. Yeah. And to me that's Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to draft a Seahawks receiver, I definitely would rather Metcalf over Lockett. Yeah. Um, but I just don't want to draft a, a wide receiver who's going to be on an offense that probably is going to throw the ball the least amount of times in the NFL.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, they were down there last year. They were last in plays ran. Yep. Um, so they're going to be a slow-paced offense. That is a run-first offense. So they're probably going to have the least amount of pass attempts. I believe they were in the bottom three last season. So just um, and then what they did. the difference is, instead of Russell Wilson being your quarterback, so at least you could have some efficiency, mm-hmm. it's going to be Geno Smith or Drew Locke. So, so this the efficiency is, goes away.
0: This is what makes DK Metcalf a massive risk. You lost Russell Wilson. You can be as elite as you want to be. Fantastic um, wide receiver. He's a great he's wide receiver. He's probably going to
1: have, you know, he might have a game where he gets 30 fantasy yep. points because he's going to take a slant 80 yards. Yep but
0: he's he's a great wide receiver. But being in an offense that doesn't pass it a lot, that isn't going to be efficient, um, like at least what you have with Russ is they ran the ball a lot, but Russ made ridiculous 45-yard throws down the field to DK Metcalf in the back of the end zone. Uh-huh. And then he scored right. seven, eight, nine touchdowns right. on the year. So there was plus to DK Metcalf. A.J. Brown's the same player, always in a run for a scheme. It's probably because he's big-bodied, Thick wide receiver that works great in the blocking game for running backs on the outside, but yeah, um, but you know, so for for DK Metcalf though, it's just the massive risk is is that you're taking with this player is that um, you know he basically lost his entire ecosystem of production at the wide receiver position with Russell Wilson going, and so by taking him and expecting what he did last year or maybe even like a light version of what he did last year or maybe not last year, but in years past it, it's kind of a fool's errand. Um, Mm -hmm. and when you draft him, you have to anticipate like drafting at DK Metcalf in the fifth or sixth round at this point. Cause there comes a point where you're like, okay, Metcalf becomes a value.
1: Right. Eventually. Yeah, he does.
0: But like uh, with Metcalf, if you, if you end up, taking him the more likely outcome is that he doesn't even finish in the top 15 16 17 or 18 and he ends up like mid 20s even to some extent and that's really down on dk metcalf but i mean that's where i have in, in years like denver throws the ball more than the seattle seahawks do right yeah. And Denver couldn't carry two wide receiver ones. They couldn't even carry one wide receiver one with Drew Locke. So, like, I just – I don't think that Metcalf is going to be – like, I think there's – you know, like, tw- mid-20s is really, like – that's the, the the floor dropping off because the Seattle Seahawks are just complete trash and they're going for Bryce Young. Um, but I think he could be, like, a Terry McLaurin low-end wide receiver too. Um like, you know, are he always lands eighteen, nineteen, or twenty. Sure. I think that's what Metcalf is. If you're drafting him with anticipation, like, oh man, people are letting Metcalf fall to the fifth round and I'm gonna snag him and you're like, no, you're not you're not getting that. You're getting a. f you're more or less getting a floor play than you are getting a ceiling play.
1: Right. This is this is the thing about Metcalf is with those stats that I was saying, the team still was able to have thirty total passing touchdowns last mm-hmm. year. That's not gonna happen this year i mean i would expect about 20 passing touchdowns to maybe at best 25 yeah um which even then i don't think is going to happen um which is still a lot less touchdowns he had 12 last year he had a good year last year 12 touchdowns he had 129 targets and he was the wide receiver 13 so now all of a sudden you take away four or five touchdowns yeah and you might take away five or ten targets Mm mm-hmm which isn't a lot but it's going to make a difference. He goes from wide receiver 13 to like wide res- to the mid 20s. I mean, and that's kind of just where he's going to be yeah. in my opinion.
0: So, I mean, when you talk about ADP really quickly because we got to move on to the next guy. Um, but when you talk about the ADP right now, he is he is going off the board as like the 18th 16th to 18th wide receiver. I believe if the yeah. math is correct. There's about
1: there's about 6 or 7 receivers that are going after him right now that I would take over him. Maybe even more.
0: Yeah. I would say six or seven. So, um, I mean, do what you will with that that situation and that information, but he's definitely one of the riskiest wide receivers that, um, people yep. are drafting this year. Uh, number three and the final guy that we have is um, none other than, and this is this is going against the cultural grain of most fantasy advice we're going to have a cult after us on this one. Yes, we're going to have people ready to burn down our houses. Um but it is Gabe Davis who is uh-huh. and I don't I'm not going to lie. I've I've pra- I've mocked at least drafting DK Metcalf. There's been times where I mocked Michael Thomas. There has not been one mock draft, one best ball, or one dynasty league that I have drafted Gabe Davis. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a horrible bad thing. <laughs> Yep. so to me, uh, it's very simple with Gabe Davis. There just hasn't been like a his ceiling is not as high as people think it is, and Correct. B. I'll go B and C. B. I think that Gabe Davis is Rick. Rick is probably going to bring up his best ball ADP, but is really high. And if you get a if you get a Gabe Davis stand in your draft. Da- he's going to get drafted it. in the fourth round. It's it's easy money. Like that's what's going to happen. Fourth, fifth round. Um, and the final thing is, I, the the no matter what you think of the player, mm-hmm. Gabe Davis or the Buffalo Bills, I should say, with Josh Allen at quarterback over the last three years. So I would say his you know the three best seasons of his career. Josh Allen has not carried two wide receiver ones or two wide receiver twos even. He's carried Uh a wide receiver one and a wide receiver three almost every season. So Diggs, wide receiver seven last year. Beasley was the next best Buffalo Bill at wide receiver 47. Uh, Last in 2020, Diggs was wide receiver three. Beasley, just outside that top 24, wide receiver two, wide receiver 26. Uh, And then 2019, John Brown, wide receiver 20, and Beasley, wide receiver 34. So the Bills don't carry two, despite the fact that they throw the ball a lot, they don't normally carry two wide receiver ones. And now you're saying, okay, Gabe Davis ta- Davis is more talented than Beasley and John Brown and some of these other guys that he's had. And that may be that may be true. Uh, if I go over to reception perception and I tell you that he was uh, against man coverage 33rd percentile, um he had a 33rd percentile success rate against man 27th percentile against zone and 36th percentile against press in 2021 and that was an improvement on his rookie season i just don't see how the infatuation and the love for this player has come to fruition in the way that it has i think you're taking a massive massive unordinate yep. like a massive risk In taking this player, I I just there's no two ways about it. And like you, like if you're taking him in the fourth round, you're wasting a draft pick on a player that you could have spent, not even on somebody that is even less risky, but a guy that has a higher ceiling. Like is is this guy? Does this guy have a top five ceiling? No. Does he have a top twelve ceiling? Maybe barely. Uh, mid-range wide receiver too would be a really good season for Gabe right. Davis. That would be successful yeah. to me. Me too. And if you're drafting him in the 4th round and that's what you're getting, I don't like that. When you could you could be drafting guys that have a ceiling way higher than that.
1: Yeah. No, you make good points. I mean, a lot of people's argument with Gabe Davis is his ceiling um and the vacated targets that are there mm-hmm. but and I, I told you this before the show cole beasley has a lot of those vacated targets and he plays the slot so that's going to go to jameson crowder or isaiah mckenzie yeah. um sure he'll have more targets than those guys he's going to take emmanuel sanders targets mm-hmm. and that kind of role but cole beasley and emmanuel sanders last year combined for five touchdowns dawson knox had nine i don't think that's changing mm-hmm. stefan Diggs had 10 which um for those of you who don't know He had 34 red zone targets, so his efficiency, as a lot of people have pointed out in the offseason, was very low. He could have easily had like 14 or 15 touchdowns this past year. So I I don't think that's changing. I think Diggs is still the one in the red zone, and Knox is going to get his fair share. So I don't think Gabe Davis is going to be a guy who's going to get – You know, some people think he's going to be a touchdown machine and going to get like 11, 12 touchdowns. I don't think that's going to happen. He had six last year. Maybe he gets, I I think I projected him at seven or eight. So I think there's sure a slight increase, but I don't think he's going to get a huge touchdown mark. Um, he has a low catch percentage. It's not going to change. Yeah. Um, so let's say he gets 115 targets. He's still not going to get a ton of receptions because of that low um, percentage. So not to mention the fact that on underdog, best ball as -hmm. you pointed out he's actually fallen in drafts okay he's fallen in drafts
0: fallen okay all right at pick 42 oh (laughs) boy that's a third round pick in 12 he he was at at like
1: 38 now he's at 42 um which is still way too high way 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 too high i mean there's a lot of receivers i'd rather have over him um on sleeper it's much much better his adp i think is pick 74 but even then, there's risk because he's going in the same range as Juju, as Darnell Mooney, as Rashad Bateman, mm-hmm. as Adam Thalene, as Hop when he comes back. Um, and to me, I, I just don't know if I'm drafting him over those guys. Mm-hmm. And, I, and this is coming from someone who has Gabe Davis and a couple dynasty leagues. Like, yeah, I, I'm not I, against Gabe Davis. Uh, I just think he's been way overhyped, way, way overhyped. People saw the playoff game. People see that the the role that he's getting himself into yeah. and have instantly just flown him up draft boards. And I don't think um that should be the case. Mm-hmm. A good player, you know, I, I would agree with you. I think a, a mid wide receiver two finish would be a, a really good year. I think he's gonna have maybe a, in a twelve team, a low end
0: mm-hmm.
1: wide receiver two finish, maybe he's around like twenty to twenty five, right. maybe even thirty, somewhere in the twenty to thirty range. Um which is a good season and a much better year than he's had his first two years of his career. And he's going to continue to get better, Yeah, but it's not, he's not at the point where you should be drafting him in basketball leagues in the first few rounds.
0: Yeah. It's, it just doesn't make sense. The other thing I was going to say is, is these other guys around Gabe Davis, you know, Hopkins, when he comes back, uh, I don't like to invest in suspended players. So I haven't drafted I any, I, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't drafted any DeAndre Hopkins, but he's the wide receiver one in Arizona. Bateman is the wide receiver one in Baltimore. Mooney is the wide receiver one in Chicago. Juju Smith Schuster is the wide receiver one in Kansas City. Yeah. Even Drake London. I'm not drafting him because the you know, Atlanta's gonna blow, right. but he's at least the wide receiver one in in, in Atlanta. There is no I chance to more
1: wide receiver one on the Jets. Exactly. Are uh, you
0: Gabe Davis has zero chance of being the wide receiver one on the Buffalo Bills.
1: Unless Diggs tears his ACL, that's <laughs> right. That's right, a, unless
0: yeah, has, that, that's the only way to his right injury Diggs getting hurt. He's not overtaking Diggs No, he's for not for that role. Um, and I said this to Rick before the show. I think Dawson Knox benefits from the vacated target share more than Gabe Davis does. To be honest with you, mm. because you see the wide receivers that I've listed here, the secondary wide receivers. If those guys had that kind of you know leeway or target share in a game. Then, uh, you know, I would be more inclined to be like, OK, you know, if if he had two top 24 wide receivers, I would have been like, OK, Gabe Davis has a shot, but he has not carried two of those guys. So yep. um, this would be against the norm. Uh, and I think I think Gabe Davis in the seventh, not a bad selection.
1: No, I'm not gonna get on anybody for taking Gabe Davis in the seventh round.
0: Gabe Davis in the fourth is a horrible selection.
1: So. That's yeah, I will on the fourth, right.
0: But uh anyway, so unless you have any more thoughts, Rick, I'll conclude the show. No, I
1: think that's that's about it.
0: There we go. Our top three Riskiest players for the wide receiver position in fantasy football 2022. We got a lot of content coming out this week. We got some more TikToks. We got some must draft players in the early rounds, and we got a mock draft on Thursday. We'll see you later, guys. See you. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Champions Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on Twitter at the FF champs.